love ELO? Of course you do. What kind of dim-witted jughead doesn't? Then listen to Face the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra song-by-song podcast. Every week, I, Eric Paul Johnson, and my co-host, Eric Winsensen, take a song by the Electric Light Orchestra, give the song facts, the history, discuss, tear apart, dig deep into the song itself, give our opinions, chart facts about the singles, and we even consult with the future of humanity on their opinion of the Electric Light Orchestra. I love it! So if you don't want to be a dim-witted jughead, then listen to Face the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra song-by-song podcast. Episodes post every Saturday at midnight Eastern Time and can be heard on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Mixcloud, TuneIn, and iHeart. That was stupid as a butthead. Hello and welcome to Pods Like Us. I'm Martin Crabell, known to my friends as Marv, and this time I am speaking with Paul and Stephen from Trimming the Musical Fat. Hey guys, thanks for speaking with me for the third, fourth time. I don't know how many times we've spoken before. Well, we're delighted to be here, Marv. Eventually, I think we've been trying to get this lined up for over a year now so we've made it at last at get the bunting yeah. out it's a happy day yeah good to be here marv good and it's good because i think we're quite like-minded in terms of our uh the music that we like so it's good i think so for those listening that yeah. haven't heard the show you need to listen to the episodes on prince's diamonds and pearls where that was heavily cut because we spoke for nearly three hours about that, and it was cut down significantly. Yes, I, I think like there's a the director's. Rings. Yeah, there's a director's cut somewhere that's nine hours long. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and then we talked about Paul McCartney's song "Oh Woman, Oh Why." Why we were supposed to, and I went went on tangents there, didn't we? Uh, that went a lot of places, didn't it? Yeah, and I think uh, oh, and we we we've tried to get you back for the. The Phil Collins, but seriously, but yeah, I think scheduling didn't work in our favour there. Um, uh, although I think me and Paul were talking over the last couple of weeks, Marv, about doing next year an episode on Red Rose Speedway. So you'll need to come back for that, Paul McCartney's album. Yeah. Wow. That would be an interesting subject because the double album version's come out since as well. Yeah, in 2018, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so I think yeah. our idea for that, Paul, was what? What were we going to do? Was it not? Were you not doing the opposite? You were going to make the double album into a single album, but but using all the material from the double album. Is that what you were thinking? Yeah, because I think, um, yeah. obviously, it was an, a double album that was cut down to a single, and recently there's been that re-release where they've made it into a double. However, if you had all that material available at the time, what would you have put on your single album? Because I know what did get put out back in the 70s was very Paul McCartney song focused, maybe to the detriment of material which was not uh, written by Paul. Um, So maybe we would give it a fairer crack of the whip. So yeah, I was quite fancied having a go at that because it's a McCartney album that's not one I'm overly familiar with. So it'd be a good excuse for me to, to, to give it a good listen. Totally selfish. 
I don't think that's selfish at all. Isn't isn't that why we actually make these podcasts so we can actually be selfish and do these things that we want to do? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Listen to albums that you said you should be listening to for the last thirty years and just never got round to. It. Yeah, absolutely. So that's an album that you've not heard much of. What's the first album that you ever remember owning, Paul? It's a good question, actually. Because uh, I was kind of thinking, because I bought all the Queen albums probably from the mid-80s. But probably the first album, I'm not going to include them because it was just all Queen. The first one that I bought like with my own money would probably be, uh, probably laugh, Europe out of this world. So it was the follow-up to the final countdown album. I think it was 88. And I got it on blue vinyl, which I still have. Or was it red vinyl? I think it was red, actually. Uh, so, uh, Joey Tempest and the guys. <laughs> a good album. I still like it. On tour now with White Snake. Yeah. <laughs> it's a shame you didn't even get the final countdown, Paul. At least you'd then get the the couple of big hits on it. Yeah. But no, I, I actually really liked uh, And I think three years ago, four years ago, it was remastered, actually, so it's a good album. But no, I, I still like it, actually. It's one of my guilty pleasures. <laughs> yes. Um... Have you heard that, Marv? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Louisa's got a couple of their albums, including that on-tape cassette. All oh, right, okay. Oh, there we go. Remember those. <laughs> Remember those. <Yes. laughs> I saw a video the other day on TikTok where somebody's daughter actually didn't know what that was when she found it in a box. Oh, really? Yeah, you, can, uh... you can understand. You can understand as well if they haven't. It seems alien to us, but like to yeah, to the younger generation, even what a CD is, <laughs> or a vinyl well, or mm-hmm. video. Thing. It's like people showing us an eight track when we were kids. What's that? No. Yeah, I know. yeah, I know. Well, I, I remember uh, six years ago buying my first record player for the first time since, God, what, the early 90s or something, and setting it up in the living room. And uh, my two sons, at that point, one maybe six, one maybe nine, just looking at it. What does it do? I went, oh, it's new music. <laughs> but how? I went, well, you put this circle on, and then you put this thing that's got a needle in it, and then, of course, Whoa! And they would just sit there transfixed watching this record go round and round. I went, I know, isn't it great? It's just, yeah. it's just so much more exciting. It's a cover. Yes. Yeah, and, oh, that's the best you, part. You can actually see who wrote the songs mm. and who produced them. Who plays it. them, yeah. Yeah, and Politics. there's photos. <laughs> yeah. Which, which I, I don't know, we're off, going off on a tangent there, but yeah, I think... I, I, that's where I feel sorry for that younger generation. Yes, music is much more accessible now. It's great. It's so flexible that you can listen to music. You can take your music everywhere. But it doesn't be when you had to physically go to a store to buy, whether it's a record or a CD or a cassette, and just having that physical product. And part of the whole experience yeah. was was looking at the writing credits and the photos, the artwork and so on. That was part of the experience, which I think is somewhat eroded now. I think even the album as an art form is is, is, is becoming eroded now because 
mean, my, 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 again, my oldest son's what, 15 or about to be 15. And listening to albums is just not a thing. It's cherry picking songs from Apple Music. Which is sad. Mm-hmm. Which, which I think sad, yeah. But progress. It's the, way of the world there, yeah. But we say that, and then there were young whippersnappers like Sam, who are very much album people, but they are young mm. and yeah. into the album as a format. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah, well, it's good for a show like yours because the whole idea of your show is to take an album and mm. you know, and minutes. to mm-hmm. yep. So it's a bit like I've, I've thought about this and I've read about it where someone was saying, I can't remember who said it, that one problem is that when CDs came about, you had more space to be able to put music on. And as vinyl faded and became the lesser and eventually went out, mm-hmm. they had all this space to use. Where I mean, I was speaking with Louise about this earlier on, and I was saying that back in the day, I've done it myself, where when I've recorded in a studio, a lot of bands and artists record too much, essentially. So you end up with all that material. So you might end up with 70-something minutes worth of material, where back in the day, you would then as you do technically, you would trim that down to fit onto two sides of vinyl. So 48 to 50 minutes. If you want your sound mm-hmm. to not be quite as good, you go 50 minutes. If you want a perfect sound, you go 46, 48 minutes because it's all to do with the thickness of the groove on a, on a vinyl. But I think they're right in a way where it's almost like there's too much room on a CD at times. Mm-hmm. And it means that you put everything there and you get – you get the same amount of, should we say, bangers as some people would call them, but you've got more filler, as it's called, in between that brings the album down. So what you're doing essentially is you're losing that filler to turn a decent album into a great album. Yeah. That's the idea behind it, and that really is, I suppose, the genesis for doing the podcast. It goes back to the early 90s where... As you say, the dominant media for consumers became the CD rather than vinyl or cassette. So with that extended runtime, so yeah, you could have an 80-minute album instead of traditionally bands would do, what, 40, 45-minute albums to fit onto a single record and have good audio quality on that record. And it's like the the scientists in, in Jurassic Park, just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should. And yeah, as you've identified, we now, to this day, have a glut of albums that are, yeah, 50, 60, 70 minutes. And are is everything on those albums great? No. So I think artists are sometimes not their best editors. And I think as well, I don't need to edit songs down for length because I've got, I can put it on a CD. Uh, oh, these, these two songs, maybe not quite as good, but I like them. Let's put them on the album. Um, so, yeah, I think it diluted albums and we, we could go through lots of examples of it. And indeed, that's why we pick up these albums on the show. And the specific album I go back to, which made me think of doing something like this, was back in 1998, and it was the Smashing Pumpkins album, Adore. Yep. And I didn't adore that album. I adored 
a lot of it, but not all of it. And I just remember I was on holiday, um, Magaluf or somewhere like that, and I was listening to it. And I, I kind of got through seven or eight songs and thought, you know, those first seven or eight songs, I really, really like them. But then I'm thinking I've got another, there's like another 10 songs or something to go. And it just seemed like a slog. And I just thought, could you not have just picked the best 10 songs and put it out? And I think you'd have a near classic album here. So so that's that was really the genesis, uh, no pun intended, of the, the podcast comes from all the way uh, way back then but yeah as you say that's what we do in the podcast we take those albums and try and make uh, average ones good and good ones great just by t- in our opinion taking off the the songs that we d- regard as not as strong as the, the other stuff on on albums so w- were you sort of like both of you because you're both brothers w- would you chat about yeah. these things anyway and then it's just expanded from the fact of you both saying to each other you know, if they did this, then it would make it a better album. Is this show basically an extension of the natural conversation that you would both have? To a degree, yeah. It would be, but we'd probably, because because we have that topic, we really delve into it and maybe find things that we've maybe talked about in the past and it sort of all comes together. And Because I think we both agreed, it was like the start of the 90s when, if you look at albums, they, they became like 70. In fact, I think Queen's Great Sits 2 was maybe 79 minutes, maybe something like that. Yeah. And that was a single disc as well. So I think way back in the early 90s, you could see a lot of albums and it probably ruined a lot of, like what you were saying, Marv, what were decent albums, it stopped them being like excellent albums. So, yeah, probably a lot of the stuff we do talk about is stuff we would talk about anyway but it's it's something where it's quite good because you can you're given an almost like an alternative universe so you can well i wonder what it would have been like if this album was like this as opposed to that so it's yeah it's, that's probably the way i would describe it and i think we i mean as brothers we, we have really in, in terms of like music and movies uh we have very similar tastes by and large so We'd be chatting about that kind of stuff anyway. And I suppose this just focuses us in on a particular artist or album and and, and do something with it. But, uh, oh, yeah, we'd still be, uh, if we weren't doing this, we'd still be talking movies and music and football and all that kind of good Mm. stuff anyway. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the album thing, you know, it's the same with me where I'll come across albums like uh, famously... Uh, Guns and Roses, uh, Use Your Illusion One and Two, yep. mm. and you, you would you would listen to those and you'd think, you know, there's some really good songs on there. There's a lot of good songs on 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 the two of them. There but, is, and I keep thinking to myself, you know, if they took the best of what was on those two essentially double albums, you are yeah, that would be a classic album if they took the best of that and made a single vinyl out of that or made even mm. one double album out of the two double albums, you would have a classic album there that would be as good as, if not slightly better than Appetite, even. Yeah, absolutely. I think I would uh, agree with you, yeah. Funnily enough, our show, yeah, our show tomorrow is about Usual Illusion 2, funnily enough, but, but okay. yeah, I think, yeah, it's probably <laughs> one of the most famous playlists that people make would be like a combined 
uh, one and two and do the best from both of them because as you say it could be seen as amazing and but it was almost like around that time there was this kind of uh, let's put two albums out on the same day two double albums on vinyl and I think Bruce Springsteen did this, something similar just after it as well he, yeah. he released was it the ghost of Tom Dodd and and another album as well so it was kind of like it was almost like the fashion then it was almost like it's giving you I almost liken it to sometimes when we first got Sky TV, you've got so many channels and you find that you can't concentrate on something because there's too much choice. And I think like with a lot of these albums, it's a bit like that. There's too much on it. So you can't really appreciate the individual songs because there's too much. I don't know if you've got an answer, Stephen, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think um, it, it's really just become very obvious to me I think we've been doing some ELO stuff of late and um which has been brilliant because it's really got me into ELO and I've been really enjoying buying some ELO um albums on on vinyl original albums and the thing that struck me about those albums other than out of the blue is they're all like eight or nine songs and they're only 30 to 35 minutes long and it has the effect that almost every song in it is great and I get to the end of the album, what's the thing that you want to do? Spin it back over and start to play it again. Because it's great. I enjoyed it. Whereas I think sometimes, I suppose it's like a, uh, you call it Sky Sports uh, or Sky the Sky Channels, Paul. For me, it's like a, a meal mm-hmm. with, uh, you've got seven courses instead of three good course, you know, great courses. Boom, then go. Uh, you've got seven courses and it's just too much. And you, you've overindulged by the end of it and you feel sick. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So you you also as a side series, uh, you also do it where you do specific songs as well. And uh, yes. I know one that jumped out at me that I really enjoyed was when you did the the classic Queen B side, "I Go Crazy," which I thought, I mean, that period there with the works when Queen did the works. I mean, we'll, we'll all lift our hands up here. I think I think all three of us, our favourite band is Queen. Mine is for sure. Yep, absolutely. We're in the club, and I thought that that period was, even though the album, the works, is a relatively short album. Mm-hmm. There was actually yeah. a lot of material recorded during that time because you've got that, and then later on we found out that they had that "Let Me in Your Heart Again." That was from yeah. then that period, which is a great yeah. song. Why on earth that didn't end up on there? I don't know. And I love the Queen version of Love Kills that they that they tried mm-hmm, to do right, during that yeah. period as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those albums that, uh, again, I don't know what Paul thinks, but um, there was so much good stuff left off it. I think the works, what, nine songs on the works? Nine songs. Yeah. Nine songs, yeah. And there was, yeah, when, well, obviously we find out later, there's just so much good stuff that didn't make it. And I would happily lose maybe three of the four songs that did get on and put these other tracks onto it. And I think if that had been done, I think we'd be talking about a classic album. I really do. Don't know what you think, Paul. Yeah, it's those nine tracks. And on the, every, because there was only nine tracks, every track was accounted for as either as an A side or a B side. But that's all the tracks were accounted for as well. But yeah, it's not till years later you find that there's so many tracks, and let's like, say Love Kills as well, which is is brilliant. And let me 
in your heart again. And there's probably a lot more, actually, we don't know about as well. So, yeah, but they probably went for the kind of standard, okay, Brian, may we give you two songs or not not two songs, but like two heavy songs. And obviously Roger Taylor's coming into his own then with Radio Gaga and John Deacon's got I Want to Break Free. And of course, that's, we talked about another podcast, that's the first album, the last album where Freddie really has a piano ballad. You know, uh, after that, there isn't really any yeah. piano ballads as such in the style of that or play the game or, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. But you think that maybe Queen at that point, it was very ooh, political um, about who got what on there rather than the best song selection. Um, Probably, think, yeah. Because and obviously, they resolved that when it came to 89 onwards with uh, the Miracle album, where they just said, right, everything's written by Queen. And maybe it would have been a good idea to have brought that in earlier in the 80s, because you do, do feel yeah. that, um, oh, right, yes, uh, well, I want one song, and I've got to have two songs. And, and you just feel that maybe got in the way of the It's all song about money, selection. money, royalties. Money, honey, money. Yeah. <laughs> Capitalists. Yeah, because the majority of the royalties for writing would have been going to to Freddie and to Brian at the point at that that's right, yeah, for the most point because they were writing the majority of the material and the hits as well. Mm -hmm. Most of them, anyway. I mean, they'd all. Although it's it's funny thinking back back about it that that's the first case of Roger actually writing a hit single. That's right, Mm -hmm. Radio Gaga. Whereas Mm -hmm. John John Deacon had actually preceded him by. Um, nine Another years one. is it or ten yeah, years? Spread, I'm trying to remember. Spread your wings. Oh, you're my best friend. Yeah. You're my, my best, best friend. friend. Yeah. And yeah. Then spread yeah. your yeah. wings as well. Mm-hmm. And another one bites the dust. <laughs> well, there's a, there's Biggest that funny story, of course, where Roger shouldn't be crying too much because remember he got the B side to Bohemian Rhapsody on the original release. He had uh, "I'm in Love with My mm. Car," and I think that caused friction because he was getting paid the same. Royal writing royalties, um, as Freddie was writing in Freddie for the A side, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he used that. He used that money to buy that house in Sussex, I think, where they do the real rock. You spread your wings video. So I think All he right. used that money to buy that place. <laughs> so he invested it in the group. <laughs> yeah, he, he did good out of that deal, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. You do wonder though, just for, for the band dynamics. I mean, obviously, we've never been in that situation, but you do wonder. You've obviously got Brian and Freddie, who really were the main songwriters in Queen uh, through to the beginning of the 80s. Then John and Roger were, were maybe starting to push more for uh, the singles and so on. And I don't know, you wonder how Brian and Freddie felt when it got to the works and you've got uh, jo- uh, Roger, Radio Gaga, big, big hit. Yeah. Next single, Want to Break Free, John Deacon. Big, big hit. And then you had It's a Hard Life and Hammer to Fall, which weren't as successful, which is maybe not unsurprising since the album had then come out uh, by that point. But then we kind of move on to A Kind of Magic and One Vision written by the band. Uh, obviously a big hit. Then the big big single of that album was A Kind of Magic written by Roger, Roger. Taylor. Yeah. So, mm. yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. You wonder what the... Brian and Roger, uh, sorry, Brian and uh, Freddie were thinking at that point. 
I'm, I'm guessing it made the finances better for all four of them, that's for sure, and the whole, you know, the, the royalty situation. Like you said, it would get better when the miracle came about and they just said, well, we'll just say that we all wrote them. Although, if you look online, you can actually find out who wrote what. Yeah. yeah. No, you can kind of work out as well a lot of the time. And even when you, even under pressure, was written by Roger Taylor, you know, a lot of that. Uh, One Vision was Roger Taylor. Yeah. But, of course, there is Queen, and, and even Stone Cold Crazy, that was really Freddie, really on his own, from a previous band. So, Yes, with his very rudimentary knowledge of guitar. Yes. <laughs> well, I was, I was funnily enough, I was listening today to um, a podcast by some guys we've had on, on our podcast uh, from In the Lap of the Pods. Yep. Um, who are a Queen podcast. And I was just listening to their episode today on Sheer Heart Attack, and they were talking about Stone Cold Crazy, who was saying that was prototype mm-hmm. uh, thrash metal. Just the, was, yeah. the the guitar, the structure of it, um, and just saying nobody else was doing that kind of stuff back in what seventy three, seventy four, um, mm-hmm. and just comparing that, say, to Metallica's cover version of it, what's 15, 16 years later, and just saying the Queen version's much, just a much harder, rockier tune uh, compared to mm-hmm. the the, the Metallica uh, the Metallica one. So, yeah, mm-hmm. kind of innovative for its time. Definitely. Absolutely. Hey there, this is Bobby with the Rock Guys podcast, and you are listening to Marv Smooth on the Pods Like Us podcast. Check him out. So what was the first concert that you both went to? Did you go to the first concert together, or was it different for each of you? Well, there's two answers. (laughs) (laughs) There is. Okay. You go. You, you tell them, Paul, about the best concert we've ever been to. <laughs> well, the first concert we went to was those legends from the eighties who had songs like Superman, Agadu, and Do the Conga. So the first gig we went to see was at the Blackpool. Uh, in Blackpool, was it the Tower? Blackpool Tower. No, it, it was. was no. Is it the Wonder? Oh, I forget the name of it. The the big theatre, anyway, that's near the tower. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, another one. I can't remember. But anyway, we saw we saw Black Lace there in 1987. Uh, But we're not going to... Classic band. I know, we're not going to include that as the first. We'll include that as unofficial. But for me... I was going to say, Paul, are you going to say the funny story about that concert? Is that the guy on the stage? The, The young guy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was this young guy kept on sitting on the stage, and then they had like this sort of firework went off, and the the guy went <gasps> off the stage. Is that right? Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I I just think right. Is it so destroying being a musician, where you obviously start off with ambitions of being a serious artist and being successful? And then somehow you're playing to a bunch of kids in Blackpool doing, you know, <laughs> do, do, come on and do the do, 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 do. come on. It and must do be, the... I know you made a bit of money, but it must be in its, in, in its own way quite soul destroying. <laughs> yeah. All the way down to being a holiday camp band. Well, yeah. 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 
Uh, but what was your first would, proper concert, Paul? I, first proper I, I, concert. I actually don't know that. I think you'd been there before. You'd been to one before me, but it would be Iron Maiden in 1990 at the Playhouse. Oh, yeah. I think it was September around that time. So that was my first. So I had the, like, denim jacket on with a patch on the back, the Eddie. Was that your yeah. first one as well, Stephen? No, 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 no. I'd been to a few no, by then. No, you'd been to a few before me. Yeah, yeah, I'd been to a few by then. I actually saw Iron Maiden in 1988, maybe? Or 87th Sun Tour, would it? That? Yeah. Yeah, 87, yeah. 88. Was yeah, that in Goldstone? You saw them? No, no, no. That was no. at the Playhouse. I just remember that being this a really well. very cool stage show that they, they had uh, on that on that tour. Uh, mirrored the the album cover. Uh, that that would have been one of my first shows. But are you uh, ready for this? The first concert I paid from my own pocket to go and see was Aha. 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 Norwegian Gators. Aha. And I went with my best friend, Brian, and this was the yeah. first concert we'd ever um, been to. And I think we were the only males in the audience. <laughs> and all the two things I remember from it, or three things that I remember from it, were screaming girls. And it must have been what it was like going to see the Beatles. They just screamed for two hours. Uh, the lead singer, Morton Harkett, the vocals were absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And it's got a great they had, voice. Oh, fantastic voice. And they had a really, it's like a honeycomb slanted type stage thing, which is quite unusual. Uh, so, yes, that was my first concert experience, which must have been 1988, maybe. Uh, so, yeah, there we go. That was my first one. What about mm. you, Marv? Do you remember your first one? I'm about to say something here, but that is what? that is a band that Louise has seen twice. She has seen Haha twice. Um, she saw them on that same tour that you went to, and then she saw them on the tour before that as well. Oh, that would have been cool. Scoundrel Days uh, tour? Yeah. Whatever it was called. Yes. Yeah. I think it was the Scoundrel Days and then the following tour. Or was it, or did she see them for the Auntie Nine Low tour? I can't remember. Something like that. She saw them for the tour you're on about, and then, because I remember that year, and then she said she saw them before that as well. Oh, that mm-hmm. would have been cool. Yeah, that would have been really cool. I, I think the uh, Scoundrel Days, that was probably probably the height of their their popularity, uh, certainly. Um, but the, yeah. uh, did, she enjoy, did she enjoy the shows? Oh, she loved them. She said they were, the, yeah. they were both incredible shows. Yeah. yeah. Um, Very and, good uh, uh, live band. To, and to pull another one from, from behind, another one she spoke, speaks about highly is she really enjoyed Then Jericho Live. Oh, yeah. Never seen them. them. Yeah. What, now, who was the lead singer of then Jericho? Remember, he was quite a media personality at the time. Is that oh, Mark? Mark. Louise oh, is going to be shouting at me in a minute. I can't remember. <laughs> Mark something or other. Mark, the lead singer of then Jericho. I can see his face. Paul, so can Paul's, I. Paul's yeah, heading for Google right now. <laughs> please, please find it, Paul, because he's also a friend of mine on Facebook. Oh, is it really? <laughs> is it all right. I'll do, I'll do that. Oh, story. wow. <laughs> Uh, that is embarrassing there's there's still actually Mark Shaw Mark Shaw that's it yep yeah I think they're still going actually they are yeah Yeah, they're on a tour this year yeah they had Andy Andy Taylor in them for a short while did they really see in there as well was he didn't know that 
And he, he's actually rejoining Duran Duran, isn't he, for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. Oh, that's this year. good. That's I heard good. that, yeah. Um, as I think, once funnily enough, we're going to be doing a, a Duran Duran episode later this year on a skin Hidden Trade. Cuts episode, yeah, on uh, Skin Trade, which I think is one of their most... That's a good song. Oh, it's great, isn't it? I think it's just one underrated. of their most underrated, underappreciated songs. Uh, when you look look at the information behind it, it was their first was it their first song not to go top ten in the US and America? Mm. Sorry, in the US and the UK wow. since the yeah, early eighties so. or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of yeah. the start of maybe a decline of their popularity there. Um, it's a mm-hmm. brilliant song, yeah. So uh, yeah, heard that on the radio last year and thought we need to do something about that. Mm-hmm. But I was surprised about the announcement that they made about that with the Rock and Roll of Hall of Fame induction. They said that that it, it will actually be the first time that Andy and Warren, as well, is coming back. They really? will both be on the stage together, and it will be the first time that they've actually played together with Duran Duran. That'll be cool, right? Is hmm. Warren is he the the guitarist? Warren, is he yes. Yeah, because he yeah. used to be the, part of Frank, yeah. Sinatra, Frank Zappra's band years ago, Warren was. Right. Has he got dark hair? Is that the guy? Is yeah. he American? He's got no hair now. Was well, he not? Oh, he's got no hair no. now. Yeah. <laughs> no. I just remember in, uh, oh, is he in the Ordinary World? Would he? Yeah, Ordinary World, yeah. Yes, he wrote, <laughs> he basically wrote Ordinary World, didn't he? Yeah. He, um, I think he joined them as maybe session musician around the time of Notorious when Notorious. The, yep. the Taylors left. Yeah, and I think they became a fully fledged member by the next album, maybe something like that. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly what happened. Yep. Oh, is that right? Okay, so yeah, good guitarist. Mm-hmm. You see, people, um, these two know their onions. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I think the. Uh, have we seen uh, Duran Duran, You're Better With The Dates? 2009. Is it that long ago? Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. Um, yeah, Edinburgh Castle, that was a good show. They still had Andy with them at that point then again. Yeah, and I remember Mark Ronson came out and joined them for a few songs because he was producing their current album, I'm sure, at that point. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, wasn't that really... the one where? Wasn't that the one where they were actually recording the album and then they had to scrap it because Andy left again? Yes, and I'm forgetting that it's not. Um, uh, oh, what was the name of it? Um, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it's like not a red there. cover, red yeah, carpet something. massacre. That's uh, it. Yeah, it's the one. Yeah, that's the one. The previous yeah. album was a great comeback album. The one before that. Yeah. Uh, Reach up for the sunrise was on it. That that was oh, a really good album, actually. Good tune. It was. Good tune. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that that is that is classic Duran Duran, all the mm-hmm. way through. That that song, yeah. it's it's incredible. Really good. Yeah, I remember first hearing that, and I've got by that stage, of course, I stopped buying physical media. It was oh right, I'm downloading that and buying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, okay, that was the best um, thing they'd done in ages for me. Mm-hmm. Really good tune. One of the best things they've done overall mm-hmm. for me. I, I'd put that in their top twenty best songs. That's a great question. Definitely. So would you say there is such a thing as a perfect album? (laughs) I'll let you start this one, Paul. 
something perfect is because it's not perfect, and that's what makes it perfect, <laughs> in, in my opinion. If that makes sense, probably doesn't, but so, and I would say a perfect album for me is Nevermind by Nirvana. For me, it's just, although it was that era where a song, you know, we're talking about, that wasn't particularly a long album, although you had the bit where you go away for 15 minutes and it comes back on. But other, but if you took that out, it's actually quite a short short mm-hmm. album for the time. So for me, it's perfect. And if it's, there's a bit that are not perfect, that's what makes it perfect as well. <laughs> yeah. I think the clever, clever side to that album is that the production of it, they've mm-hmm. not overproduced. Butch Fig hasn't overproduced the album mm-hmm. at all. He's made it so that there's still life in the songs rather than suck the life out and overproduce. So there yeah. are messy and dirty bits on the album. It's 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 a very it matches the the style or the genre that, that they call it grunge. It's got that very mm. dirty sound to it. It's there's a very not clean dirtiness to the old sound of the album that I think mm-hmm. in the sound that they've put across and also the arrangements where they've allowed those bits that aren't quite there to come out in in a sense it's almost a jazz a jazz aesthetic in a way where you you just leave those bits in and it adds a naturalness and a almost humanity to the songs that yeah some production can actually take out yeah it's got a perfect balance because it's it's obviously it's not lost that kind of that almost that rawness, but it also it adds a bit of I don't know a bit like John Lennon and Imagine. You, that's like sugar on the top of what the Plastic Ono band was and yeah. album was, and this is a bit like you know from Bleach to this. It's like it's almost like it's like Bleach, but it's more commercial almost. It's easier I think for people to listen to, but it still maintains that rawness as well. So it's like a good balance. It's a, I think, you know, talking about the perfect album, it's an interesting thing because you sometimes listen to something and, for example, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Arcade Fire and I would say to you that the best things they've done are their first two albums. But what's the ones that I would go back to and tend to listen more would be their fourth album, um, uh, Reflector, which is a double album and it's flawed and it's ambitious but I like that and because I know it's not perfect which makes it more interesting in some level so you do find that sometimes and but yeah I mean perfect what what is the perfect album it's it makes it very scientific as but I think if you look at what you prefer you do tend to most of the albums you tend to love come in at around about 14 minutes they tend to have 10 to 12 songs um, and so on. But, yeah, I mean, my, I think some of my favourites, yeah, Queen She Heart Attack, Beatles, Abbey Road, Nevermind by Nirvana, yeah, would be in there, Princes Around the World in a Day. So, yeah, it's 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 a tough one to, to pick, uh, to ever pick your favourite album, I think, or your perfect album. I think there's a top 20, and, and I think the order of them changes every so often, doesn't it? What about you, Marv? What, have you got a perfect album in your head? Um, perfect album. 
You know why you're talking about that? I mean, it's not in my top 10 albums, but I would say that Number of the Beast is a perfect album by mm-hmm. Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. I think that album. works perfectly. Yeah, yeah. And you've got that where it's a short, short-length sort of album, Yeah. but the songs flow from one to the next to the next, and mm-hmm. there's no, mm-hmm. there's nothing out there that you'd skip mm-hmm. in, on that yeah. album, in my opinion. It, it just, it's all great song after great song after great song. And... I think it also works because of the order that the songs are in as well. Because mm-hmm. that's another thing that's lost, I think, nowadays sometimes with some albums that you'll get, where back in the day it was an art form to oh, yeah. where they would structure the album where you go from this to this to this to this. And it's a bit like you were saying in the ELO one where you might have a ballad, but then you want something else before you get to another ballad. You don't want to go ballad, 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 then a rock song, rock song, rock yeah. song. And it was that way. But nowadays, I think that's lost with most modern albums. Mm. Yeah, I think sequencing in a lot of ways is a bit of a, a lost art. Yeah, it's so vital as well, like, or, or it was. You know, when you think it's interesting, that would be a podcast idea. I think somebody had spoke about online with us, maybe if you could... For example, a Queen album, if you could, uh, you know, re-sequence the tracks, like, for example, because I know most people say jazz, Mustafa, that, that most people would say, oh, that's not a great song to have at the start. Uh, I disagree. But then where else would it go in the album? Because <laughs> people would say, let me entertain you would be the best song as the opener. But, yeah, so it's, it's interesting, yeah, the sequencing and how important it is. I suppose it's like the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper album. Um, and, yeah, you've got Sgt. Pepper, then that segues into With A Little Help From My Friends. Um, it's getting better, and, and it just works. That The sequence on Sgt. Pepper, for example, it just works. They've got that absolutely spot on. Everything just seems to flow. There's an ebb and a flow to it. Um and yeah, there's an art to that. And if you get it wrong, it can yeah. ruin your album. Yeah. But with the Beatles there, the Sgt. Pepper one, they've even recorded it on purpose to have those transitions to go from one to the next as well. So when they knew that they were going to go from Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Arts Club band and that they were hoping that would be the intro and then go into With a Little Help from My Friends, they then created that transition at the end of Sergeant Pepper's mm-hmm. Lonely Arts Club Band that went from the key that that was in to the key of mm-hmm. with a little help from my friend so that it was a smooth transition. So that's another thing as well, which is a lost art where a lot of bands back then would transition and have that so that you'd have that mm-hmm. key change at the end of a tune to lead into another song because a famous one would probably be... Um, Ogden's Nutflake or whatever it's called by Small Faces, they did exactly the same thing where they created transitions between songs. And a lot of bands back then did do that. Yeah. The Who as well. Yeah. With Tom Yeah, I like that though, because it makes it more, it makes it seem like more of a complete story or an event when, when you have that. A like. Concept album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like a concept album. Because a lot of concept albums. They flow well together, but they're not necessarily because John Lennon would say that about Sergeant Pepper. It wasn't a concept album; it was just those songs fit well together. And yeah, there's and obviously ELO had a couple of concept albums yeah, like and I know El Dorado and Time and Pink Floyd. Obviously, you know you've got 
think um, you, you don't really get it happening too much now. I, I know um, Madonna did it. Um, what was it? Confessions on the Dance Floor, a 2005 album, which was... Uh, I've heard it. It's, it's really, really good, yeah. And that's been purposely built single. for the songs to all mm. uh, go into mm. each other. You know, this kind of uh, very much a, a, a disco-type album harking back to our youth, and it's really, really good. Uh, but yeah, it's quite nice to, uh, I think, when artists do that from time to time. Um, it's just uh, that connective tissue between the tracks is, is good to hear. Well, Madonna did that with Ray of Light as well, where you had the transitions from song to song. Yeah, you had that mm. some of them. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We're actually going to be doing that album, funnily enough, in December, I think. So uh, we need mm-hmm. to get that down to 50 minutes. I'm doing very well to advertise what you're up to. You are. You're doing extremely well. (laughs) Can I just come up with any old title and then you'll say, yeah, we're doing that one. When are we we doing that? We'll we'll do that two two years in September. We'll be doing that one. Pick a random title and uh, I'll be scheduled for some time, yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's not Dave O'Connor or Max Bangrave. That's 2024, yeah. But this is the thing, we do like to plan ahead, Paul, don't we? So we've actually got them all uh, pencilled in kind of in the diary through to, I think, February or March next year. So we do like to plan plan ahead. And you know yourself, sometimes if, if you want to get certain guests on, you, you, you do uh, need to get them uh, to get it in their diary. And, and also, if you want to do it properly, again, you know yourself, you want to do research and prepare things it can take some time to, to to pull things together so i think just the more uh lead up time uh, you give yourself the the better and also a bit of healthy pressure it's like oh god i've only got two months i better start doing something with that one like listening to that album for the first time <laughs> Hello to all of you boys next door, mums and dads, new weds and nearly deads, introducing Dangerous Amusements, a brand new podcast where we talk about the music of Elvis Costello. I'm Stu Arrowsmith, and in each episode I'll be joined by a special guest to chat all things Elvis, and I'll be asking them to help me compile the ultimate Elvis Costello playlist. So how do you decide what albums you're actually going to discuss? It's a very complicated process. We put process, them all in a hat and we pick them out. No, we don't. <laughs> what, you've not, got one of those, no, you've not got one of those wheel things that they use for the, you know, yeah, the like bingo, bingo? You know, the bingo. Oh, yeah, yeah. 51 is, that, is going that week. Yeah. No? yeah. That would probably be better, to be fair. Yeah. How would you describe it, Paul? In fairness, probably Stephen comes up with a lot of them, but we'll we'll have like a sort of spreadsheet and we'll put them on albums that we think. And Stephen will ignore the ones that I want and put his own ones on. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, he's not joking. <laughs> no. No, so we'll put them on kind of like a, a spreadsheet, all the different ideas, and then we'll then kind of arrange dates and times to do them and then we think if it's an album who who do we think would be a good guest to be on that show yeah. 
So yeah, how would you describe it, Stephen? Yeah, that's it. I think I think it's uh, there's nothing overly complicated about it, isn't it? I think the the selection process falls into just as Paul says, a couple of categories. It's ones that we just want to do. Um, it's ones that friends um or kind of fellow podcasters might mention to us would be worth doing, like say yourself, Marv. Um, and the other uh, category would be listeners of the, po- the the podcast who would maybe say, oh, do you fancy doing this album or this song? So, yeah, we would just, you know, we have an Apple uh, iCloud shared note. We'll just put them in there and every so often we'll take a look at them and and see what we fancy doing. But uh, so case in point, we've had a couple of requests from a few listeners to do Genesis is The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. I think you'd maybe yep. mentioned that before as well, Marv. So mm. we're getting round finally to that one. I think that's been on the pad since last year. I think we're, we've got that booked in to do the end of this year or very early next year. So, but by and large, it's ones that we want want to do. And I think if it's for me, I'm very keen to listen to classic albums uh, or maligned albums from artists that I think I want to to maybe know a little bit more about or albums that I've maybe not listened to in long, long time that I just want to get reacquainted with. The only other thing that we would do as well, sometimes you might try and do it so it coincides with something that's happening. Yep. So, for example, we did the James Bond one to coincide with the, the film coming out, and No Time to Die. Uh, not its original date, but the the rescheduled one last October, and just things like that, or maybe when it's you know I think it was John Lennon's birthday in October, uh, yeah. it would have been his eighty first birthday. So we'll maybe do one about John Lennon, or if there's some some sort of connection there, because there'll be a lot of publicity about that. So we think oh, it'd be good to do a show on that at the same time. So, yeah. I'm about to self-promote here since you've just said James Bond. I'm planning mm-hmm. a special in October because it will be 60 years since Doctor No. That's right. That's yeah, right, yeah. That would years. be good, yeah. Yeah. Did you catch the movie oh, on the big screen recently, Marv? Uh, they've obviously been re-releasing them all. Oh, we've been meaning to, but we haven't actually got to go and see them. You know, oh, I'm going to have a look now and find out what the one is that's out this coming week. Moonraker. Oh, well, next week it's finally love me, isn't it? Well, Friday it'll be Moonraker, yes. yeah. Um, so oh, this, sorry. Yeah. this moment in time, Spinal Love Me, yeah, I've seen that last night. Um, if I watch the one that's out next, that will be the first Bond film I saw at the cinema. There you go, it's really from Russia with Love. I mean, no, for your eyes only, from Russia with right. Love. I wasn't born there, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, Same for here. your eyes only. You're the first one I was going to say, you look. Uh, you're younger. You look younger than <laughs> having seen from Russia before. 1964, 63. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, um, well, funnily enough, uh, me and Paul—that was the first Bond movie uh, we seen on the big screen. Was for your eyes only as well. For your eyes only. Jersey, yeah. 1981. That's right. <laughs> and I, f- I feel bad yeah. because No Time to Die. It, since then, No Time to Die is the first one I didn't see at the cinema. How did you miss it? Missed it at the cinema and caught it on on streaming recently for the first ah, time. Ah, right, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed... Uh, big, disappoint- big disappointment for me. 
Uh, see, I enjoyed it. I think there's lots to enjoy in it, but I totally disagree with the ending that was chosen. And I'm being careful with my. It's words. not a Bond film for me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. As to not spoil it for people who have not seen it, it's 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 a tricky one because the the lead up, I think it's a, a film of two halves, in a sense. Yeah. So the the problem you've got is because of what they're trying to tell with the the family, so to speak. You you they've had to put in that build up to lead up to there, but that drags. In a sense, that build up and getting you yeah. used to the family connection, what that means to him, and the relationships, because you've mm. got to have that in there for the payoff of the ending. Mm. You've it's it's dragged it slightly. Whereas if you didn't have that, trying not to spoil it, the ending as it is, it might have actually have flowed a bit better as a film and not been quite as mm. long as it is as well. That sense. needs trimming. It needs trimming. <laughs> that needs trimming and a, and, and, and a different ending where yeah. where he retires officially, should we say. Well, I yeah. yeah, I just thought it would have been, again, if you could trim it, I would have had someone else meet a grisly fate and have to take up the child caring responsibilities and actually uh, that would have been give any spoilers away, and, Stephen, in uh, case people yeah. haven't seen it. I think that would have been quite a, mm. a better sweet ending, that one. I think that, that would have been like uh, I'd be on board with that. That would have been quite nice. Yep. Would have been very close to the spoiling it again, the uh, what happened with Casino <laughs> Royale though, wouldn't it? With um yeah. Eva Green's character. And our, yeah. and our, and our Majesty's yeah. Secret Service, yeah. And that, yeah. Yeah. So what do you yeah. think? Which are two two of the best films they out are. of the whole franchise. They are. I love I love on the Majesty's best. Secret Service. I think that's a great film. Yeah, so do I. That's my favourite. Oh, absolutely amazing. Uh, much maligned at the time and for yeah. about twenty years. I yeah. I've 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 loved seeing the um all these bonds uh, on the big screen. Um so I've actually been there every Tuesday night since I started doing them back in <laughs> yeah. April, <laughs> and I've been really so Tuesday nights basically become Bond night at the cinema for me, and that was a treat getting to see on a Majesty's Secret Service. I'd never seen that on the yeah. big screen before, so yeah. that was well, that was that was fantastic. Yeah. Scott from Spyard, he, he's, he's been going every every week. Scott yeah. from Spyard has gone every week and watched every single one, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. he's gone. I think he, he keeps he keeps putting photographs up on his Instagram on their Instagram, and there's about 30 of them in the group that go together to go and watch all of them, and they've gone every week together. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Great. That's, that's what it's all about. I, mean, I know myself. I, I've, um, it's like you've got this little Tuesday night cinema club now because it's pretty much the same people that are going every Tuesday yeah, uh, I mean, to, yeah. to, to watch them. And it's, actually, it's quite nice. You kind of wander in because everybody chooses the same seats as well. So, yeah. Everyone, yeah. All right, all right, yeah. So it's like having a season ticket, uh, going to you know watch football. Everybody's got their their same seats, and uh, you kind of get to know everybody by you know by face. Hello, you all right? Yep. So, yeah. Although with James Bond, you're going to be happier more often than you are with the football. Oh God, right now, yeah, that's for sure. Um, (laughs) But the hardest part is I've I've actually discovered by by going to these, and the the film starts about ten past eight each time. I've discovered my weak spot seems to be the last 20 minutes 
that's where I'm starting to get the 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 doze the dozing coming in. You're like, oh, come on, yeah. keep, keep your eyes open, keep your eyes open. And of course, this is the most exciting part of the movie, and that's where you're kind of uh, struggling. But I have yeah. to say, I loved the spy who loved me last night. That was great fun. Mm. But you are going to need those matchsticks for next week when it's Moonraker. I I like Moonraker. Yeah, so do I. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's nostalgia as well. And if you're, if that was like yeah. your first film, I, I yeah, I really like. I mean, I know it's a bit ridiculous. Obviously, it's just like it's cashing in on Star Wars and stuff. But yeah. uh, no, I, actually, it's one of those ones which I actually really do think. Um, it will look fantastic on the big screen because obviously it was a lot. It was a, an expensive movie, a very globe-trotting movie. So, uh, yeah, I love the soundtrack actually, John Barry, yeah. and yeah, and, it, and it's uh, yeah one of his best ones. It's it's totally any higher, Mister Bond, and my ears <laughs> my will, ears will pop. pop. And of course that, <laughs> and of course that great line uh, where the, the guys hiding in the trees, waiting to shoot Bond while they're hunting. Is it is it pheasant they're hunting? Whatever it is. Yeah, and boom, Bond fires. You miss, you Mister Bond. <laughs> Boy falls out tree dead. Boom, did, did I? I? <laughs> yeah. Is there anything as you say? Such great sport. Who <laughs> yes. oh, tempted to say yes immediately? <laughs> anyway, we're not yes. we're not talking about trimming the movie fat here. No, the no. spin off no. the off show. <laughs> Not yet. No. That's next season, people. <laughs> that must be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do you research for trimming the musical fat? <laughs> well, you, do I pick up your stuff you, you research first, Paul? Yeah, so what I would do, I would uh, use a few good websites, actually, that have information. Wikipedia is good, but obviously... You don't know if it's hundred percent accurate, but it tends to be quite quite good. So we use that. We use a website which is excellent, actually. I don't know if you use more. It's called Chartmasters, and it basically, yeah, it has like an artist that has all their albums and how many albums that they sold, and like goes through each album, and it has like different countries where it sold most. Because you sometimes find there's like a trend where some some artists sell more in certain countries and it also does the streaming thing as well so we i use that quite a lot that's quite that's quite good and also use what's the other one called give me a second i have it up here it is called rock music timeline so on rock music timeline it obviously goes through all the years and it has like the uk charts the us chart so it gives you like the top, maybe top 100 selling singles. Uh, so it's really interesting to have that. And it has the albums as well. And also it gives you the movies as well. So if you're wanting like, let's say it's 1979 and you want to know the top 10 biggest movies of that year. So stuff like that, it's quite interesting actually. You find, sometimes you find a lot of parallels. You might find the album, the song and the movie are all linked, you know, like if it was, I don't know, Greece or something, 78, you know, so... Yeah, other than that, a lot of it's probably general knowledge that you have in your head, probably. Uh, so, yeah, I've got a bit of a stato brain <laughs> for numbers and stuff. So. Paul's fabulous for remembering 
yeah, numbers and dates. He's the man for that right. kind of Rain, stuff. Rain man. Yeah. Rain man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very good driver. I couldn't remember last week, but I could tell you like 25 years or whatever. I'm a very good driver. <laughs> uh, yeah, for, for, for me. Um, well done. I, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I, I can drive. Raymond. Yeah. Raymond. 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 That, that's a film I need to watch again. I've not watched that in years. So that was good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for for me, I, I, a couple I'll mention. Um, uh, obviously, for each episode, we're focusing on a, a particular uh, band or singer. And obviously, there's uh, a lot of great fan sites out there where you can pick up information. So case in point, yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of uh, putting together a, a U2 miniseries just now. So U2songs.com. Fantastic. So if, if you want to delve into their singles, what was on the B-sides, the chart positions, where it was recorded. <laughs> Brilliant. And yeah, or something like... Um, uh, princevault.com uh, yeah. so I think fan sites are, are a brilliant resource because uh, yes Wikipedia can give you information but you usually find those fan sites go into more uh, nitty gritty so they're great uh, similarly one of the things that you would want to do as well is, is have a look at the lyrics for some of the songs that you're going to be critiquing so uh, sites like uh, Song Meanings and song facts are really good uh, because, yes, you get the lyrics, but you also get people's interpretation of those lyrics, which is quite interesting. I think, you know, he, what he means by this is that he's done this or, or whatever. So I find that um, quite interesting to do. And the final one, which I've just um, found out recently, is rateyourmusic.com. And yeah, um, yeah I, I wasn't aware of that before, but, uh, but I like how that aggregates the, the ratings from different users, basically members of the public, and aggregates it so you can go, right, okay, um, we're going to be covering Prince's Dirty Mind album soon. Okay, let's have a look. All right, um, <laughs> but it's got the best cover in the world. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <clears throat> yes, yep. yeah. Very, very 2022, yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but it's great. You can go on there and see, right, okay, 20,000 people have uh, given their five-star rating on it, and it's got an aggregate score of 3.7. But when you do that, for dif- different um, albums by the the same artist, then you start to get a picture of the public perception of them. So, do the public feel the albums are better, worse, and so on? You start to see uh, that trend. So, yeah, I think that's a brilliant uh, website to check out. RateYourMusic.com. So, do you have a set structure that you follow then for each episode? Yeah, we do, and and, and that um, I think primarily comes from from me, and what I, I like to do is put that in place, and then share that with Paul. Um, and that's where you, it's great. You've kind of got two sets of eyes on it. So yes, you can come up with the idea and the structure. Then I can let Paul look at it, and you can spot anything. Well, maybe that doesn't work there, or maybe we should do this, or should we should drop that. So I find that quite useful. But I I come from a learning and development. Uh, background so I in my professional life um, are well versed in building uh, training courses or training programs and of course with that you do have when you're putting these things together uh, a beginning a middle and an end there is a set structure to that and in a lot of ways I, I take that knowledge into doing the podcast and similarly my biggest influence on being a podcaster is listening to a podcast called Rebel Force Radio 
yep. which is uh, hosted by Jimmy Mack and Jason Swank. And so I've been listening to these guys for oh, 15 plus years now. And um, and Jimmy Mack, one of the hosts, he works in radio. Uh, and I find it astonishing that these guys put out a weekly podcast at such a professional level. It is brilliant. That is a long form show as well. It is. I, I see when you well, yeah. See when you start doing podcasting yourself, you think, how the hell do they do that? Put out a show every Friday with different guests, and yeah, it's generally two hours minimum. Uh, yeah. And and the the quality, the audio, the clips, the structure, everything is just top notch. So that's that's for me what you aspire to is, is something that these guys put together. And if you can keep aiming for it, that's great. But yeah, our, our structure would be very much for the album shows, intro, guest intro. Then we what we like to do is have what we call the tail of the tape, where we get a, uh, give a bit of background to the, the album, chart positions, any singles off it, what the songs are on the album. Uh, Paul would then normally go through things like the sales figures, the critical reception at the time, any specific stats related to it. Um, then we like to do a feature, a feature which is just good fun for us, which is Trim the Talk, where we've got three minutes and we all, uh, and you've experienced that yourself, Marv, uh, where we yeah. have three minutes to try all answer the same question. We need to try and answer them all in that three-minute uh, space, which is, you know, it's all questions related to the album, the artist, and so on. Uh, then we like to get everybody's general thoughts on the album before we actually get into it. And then we're obviously having a debate about each of the songs on the album. Do we like them? Do we, do we not? Would we keep it? Would we drop it? Uh, really, and obviously we're playing clips of the songs as well. And ultimately, uh, what we should come up with, <laughs> and there might be some disagreements, uh, which is frequent. Uh, hopefully by the end of that, we have a consensus and we have the TTMF supercut of that particular album, which will clock in at less than 50 minutes. And in amongst all that, we'll have things which Paul will drop in, like the top 10 movies for that particular year of release, the top 10 albums, the top 10 selling singles. We'll have some jokes in there about the artist. Uh, we'll play some archive interview clips. And so, yeah, what we like to do is just try and mix it up so that people are not just listening to us for the duration. There is a bit of variety in there as well, just to mix it up. Yeah. Is that fairly accurate, Paul? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing else for, I can add, really. Yeah, yeah describes it. I was going to say that that's a good show to actually uh, name check, in a sense, because when when I've listened to, to Rebel Force Radio, it's a show where, okay, it is a long show, but when you listen to it, it's like your show, in a sense, that when you listen to it, it's like time doesn't exist in a way when you find a program that is it, that you're really into it's almost as though that time just flows by when you're listening to it and you're not constantly with your show and with theirs you're not constantly looking at the watch and thinking oh crikey this has got an hour and a half left and you're not looking at the time at the bottom of the thing like you might do with some longer shows where it dips at certain bits and then comes back up yours yours and their shows are all you know, they get they, they have this thing all the way through that's just there. It keeps that momentum going throughout. And what before I forget it, I'll just say that one thing that you also do that I really enjoy is 
it reminds me in a sense of, I'm sure you two remember it. When we were younger, there used to be a program called The Rock and Roll Years. Yes. Oh, that was great. Where what Paul's doing with those facts is he's actually putting it in its place in history. So he's explaining what was going on around the world, pop culture and otherwise, and why this record is what it is. Yeah, well, no. First of all, thank you very much. That's very kind of you to to, to yeah, say that, thank you. And, yeah. and 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 it is uh, very much by by design that um, I know. I think Paul, we were very conscious when we started that we didn't want it just people to hear us talking for 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 that time, and we did want to try and break mm. it up and bring um, a, a bit of variety to it. Um, and and obviously, yeah, something like Rebel Force Radio for me was a big influence on that kind of. That kind of uh, sonic, if you like, uh, format. Yeah, absolutely. And, and 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 yeah, thank you for what you're saying. And one of the reasons, yeah, we do this stuff. You know what was happening that year because it is it's, it is like the rock and roll years. The show because you're you're looking at the album, the context of the year, and what was going on. Because a lot of the albums typify that year mm-hmm. or that period. So Nirvana is a good example. Never mind. I mean that typifies that whole era changing the music industry and stuff. So all the other stuff that are, that's going on in the background, you know, it's all linked to to the music in some way and social justice or whatever it is or things going on around the world. And, uh, and you're talking about the rock and roll years. Sometimes when you hear a song, I remember hearing songs on the rock and roll years. And when I think about the song, I think about that year because that was... The, that was how first time I heard the song. I associate it with what was going on at that year. Like Elvis, I think when Elvis died, I think it was uh, Sunshine After the Rain by, I was going to say Carly Simon. It's not Carly, L.K. Brooks, is it? Sunshine After the Rain. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> that song was playing when Elvis, the bit about Elvis. So whenever I hear that song, I think of that period in 1977 when he died, you know. That was a great anyway, show. Off on a tangent, yeah. That was a great show, the Rock and Roll Years. <laughs> Remember that sun, Sunday mornings that used to be on? No, I think it was like, it was only on for half an hour, maybe like Tuesday evening or something, Wednesday or something. Yeah, I remember uh, that, that for me, that you got exposure um, to a lot of uh, artists or their videos um, in that show. I remember... Uh, our friends Electric, Gary Newman and the Tube Army. I think that was the first time I yeah. seen that video. I mean, what's this song? Mm-hmm. That is brilliant. Or Craftwork, uh, one of their songs. So it was brilliant for actually. It was a good show to introduce you to music that maybe you hadn't heard before. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I've, I've never seen it repeated, I have to say, since then. Um, that was what the late 80s, early 90s, something like that. Yeah, it, it went up to nineteen eighty, and then I think years later they did it from eighty onwards. But originally, it went up went up to John Lennon's death, basically. All right, great show. There you go, BBC. Mm. You need to put that on the BBC iPlayer for us all to watch. <laughs> oh, I'd watch that Absolutely, again. Absolutely, yeah. yeah watch that again. I would binge that. Yeah, same here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Absolutely, and. Um, <laughs> Kudos to Paul, he was right. It was Elkie Brooks, by the way. Sunshine After the Rain, oh, okay, 1977. Okay. Okay. Well done. Yeah. See, told you. Well done. <laughs> there you go. He, he, yeah, as the Americans would say, he knows his shit. 
<laughs> certainly does. <laughs> but he knows shit. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe I said that. So how do you record? <laughs> Go on, you were going to say, Stephen. No, I was going to say, get your bleep machine out now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is Brian with Concerts That Made Us podcast. And you're listening to Pods Like Us, a great show about other great shows. So how do you record and then edit the show? Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's more of uh, my thing. So that, Take that, a break, Paul. Yeah, take a break. Um, <laughs> think of more Elkie Brook songs. Uh, yeah, for us, that's been very much something that we have been as, as constantly evolving because we started, what, March last year and we've just been trying different technologies. Uh, so we have changed tools multiple times just to, to see what works best for us. So currently we're jumping between uh, Zoom and Riverside for our recording. So Zoom's great, I think, for its simplicity uh, and the fact that you can download an audio and a video copy of your recording, depending on what you want to do with it for editing purposes. And Riverside, because, uh, well, our podcast host provider is anchor.fm, and they are linked to Spotify. And Spotify have, through Anchor, given uh, users uh, access to Riverside. So we've just been trying that out, um, see uh, if it's any good. So, yeah, uh, with that, you can download separate audio tracks uh, or in video tracks for editing. And you can choose to just like uh, we, we had been doing with Zencaster tonight. You can choose to either record the video and audio or you can uh, have the video displaying while you record just the audio, which can be uh, useful. But, yeah, we've used things like Anchor uh, previously and Zencaster, um, and, and which uh, all worked. Uh, which all worked fine. Uh, in terms of editing, uh, initially we were using the inbuilt uh, technology within Anchor to edit. And as we've tried to become a bit more sophisticated as time's gone by, we have used, I know, I think it was you that recommended it, Marv, which was, um, I think you recommended Audacity, if I remember. Right, yep. Yep. I think it might have been you. So, yeah, uh, which is great. So we've, we've used that. So if I'm editing just audio, I, I've used that. Uh, but I have to say my favorite for the last couple of months um, is I took the plunge and bought it is Luma Fusion, which um, is an app. And I have that on my iPhone and um, an iPad. And I like it because I can basically edit on the go because um, it's on, on basically it becomes mobile and yeah you can edit audio and video uh, on that and that links into things like your apple cloud and stuff like that so it just makes it very easy to get all your recordings from here there and everywhere uh, and use it so yeah um that is my uh, preferred choice at this moment in time luma fusion which i think costs something like i don't know 25 pound or something but worth every penny Wow, that's very that's very good value for that. That is, it sure is. Yeah. Um, well, it is because even if I mean I, I've I've been uh, obviously we're recording this in two thousand and twenty two. So my uh, work 
Uh, I don't work Friday, Saturday, Sundays. I work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Monday and Tuesday. I work from home Wednesday and Thursday. I'm in the office. So if I choose to, uh, if I take a lunch at work, I can then take the iPad with me. I can go and sit in the work canteen or somewhere quiet and edit the podcast if I choose to, which is great. When it's your lunch. <laughs> My lunch. A working lunch. I was, I was going to say, that, that, this is what he's saying in case his employers are listening. Oh, yeah, no, I did say lunch. <laughs> Didn't I? <laughs> no, I know. I'm just saying. Yeah, you're saying the diplomatic. You know, you know what's the, the what's the laugh about it? I, I gen, generally don't take lunch, so I've I've never once taken the iPad to work to edit. It's just one of mm. those things. I can if I choose to, but I've never done it once <laughs> yet. <laughs> I actually guested on somebody's show, and they were recording their show because of the time differences from here in Houston. I won't go any further than that and explain any more, but he was actually recording from his workplace's toilets. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was at work when he was recording the show, because that's the only time we could find for me to be on there to have this discussion. <laughs> Did you get any kind of uh, nice flushing sound effects in the the background? He during locked that time? the toilet while he was in there for forty five minutes. Wow! I hope I hope nobody was really really needing to uh, to, to go. He <laughs> he'd unlock the door and walk out and find uh, um, a little bit of a mess all the way back to his seat. Yeah. Wow. All the all That's these, these, these thrown up notes, note papers on the floor. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, who who spilt their chocolate everywhere? Yeah. Oh, it's not chocolate. Uh, oh, I, I tell you, that's quite impressive. He would have got quite a decent sound in the toilet, actually. Yeah, good acoustics. <laughs> Fair play. That's not, dedication. Not, not Yes, nice, nice drum snare sound in in one of those actually. In a toilet. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, nice echo. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, of course. The start of Highlander was the Sean Connery bit was the audio was in the toilet. Was it? Really? Yes, it was. You know the bit yep. at the start. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. No one knew they were among us until now. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are. And then they spoiled it with the second film. Ah, uh, that's a horrible. Yes, film. the quickening. Greetings, yes. Highlander. Mm. Uh, we are yeah. all immortals <laughs> from another planet. Which totally contradicts the first film. Oh, we need to do we need to do that, Paul, and the trim in the movie fat. That would be great. Yeah, do the Highlander, Highlander series. series. Oh, yeah. I'm actually a little. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I was going to say the, th- the third the third Islander when somebody suddenly gets unburied. Yeah, that's it's, terrible. That one, isn't it? Oh. It's a shame because you know what the original, um, as as flawed as it is, it's a hugely entertaining movie. Oh, it's it, one of my favourite films, and it's it's such a brilliant, brilliant idea for you know the story. It's a great idea, and it's hugely entertaining. And I, I, I just, I, one of those things. I, I actually remember going to see Highlander two at the cinema when it came out, and so being really excited about it. Yeah, being really excited, mm. and I, and I remember it started in the first five minutes. It actually good. I went, oh, they're really pushing this in a in a different direction here, but that's okay. This could be interesting. <laughs> and then it wasn't. And I just thought, what were you thinking? Why did you think this was a good idea to totally undo all the, if you like, the mythology and magic, um, 
of the first movie? <sighs> there can be only one million. <laughs> yeah, no. There, only there can, can, there can be only um, one, two, three films and a couple <laughs> of ser- television series. Yeah. Yes. A TV show and that so, seems to for 20 movies. years. Yeah. Who, does, who thought that was a good idea yeah. to, oh, yeah, the immortals are from another planet? What? Is it Zion? No. Yes, I think so. I think it was. Oh no, that was yeah, that was Matrix. Oh dear. <laughs> An- another film that should have stayed at one film. Yes, hands yes. down. I know they've been trying to yeah, reboot it, re- remake it now for a good number of years. Um, I mean, I think that's been on the pad now for 10, 15 years. I think at one point, I'm sure um, Gerard Butler was attached to play. The lead, you know, and Con- that means that means you don't go and watch it. <laughs> Connor McLeod. Whenever he's attached to a film, you, you avoid it. Connor McLeod of the Clan McLeod. <laughs> I've heard they've started filming the reboot, the remake. Have yeah, they? yeah. Who's mm. in the lead? I think so. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. Hopefully, it'll be somebody who's actually Scottish playing a Scottishman. <laughs> that was always the joke. Have, yeah, yeah, and they won't have a night. They won't have a Scotsman. Playing a uh, Spanish Spaniard or Egyptian, Egyptian yes. Spanish man. Well, I'm Pablo Juan Ramirez. I'm here at your Shervish <laughs> Islander. I come from Madrid, obviously. Watch it. And you're Scottish, <laughs> I believe. We, 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 monsieur. Hello, my name is Ben Burrell and this is Bob Dylan Album by Album, a podcast that looks at each Bob Dylan studio recording, funnily enough, album by album. We're going to produce an audio essay or a mini documentary on every single recording, looking at the recording process, also the themes on offer and the musicality of each record as well. If that sounds like something you might want to listen to, then feel free to check out episode one. It's on Bob's 26th studio album, Oh Mercy, which is a fascinating record, not only for the music on offer, but also for how it fits into Bob's back catalogue. Have a look at that and let us know your thoughts. If you want to continue the conversation, we're available on Instagram. You can find us at Bob Dylan Podcast and you can find me on Twitter at Ben Burrell. Thanks for listening and enjoy. So um, the music and the logo for the show, how did they come about? <laughs> yeah. I did it all. No, no Stephen did it. Um, <laughs> the theme tune to the show, uh, which is 17 seconds long, was created by me on my, uh, on my iPad using Apple's GarageBand app. And I think I did it in 20 minutes. <laughs> And, you know, when you think, oh, I'll just play around, and then I came up with something very kind of rudimentary and added a few different instruments to it. And then at the end of it, you went, oh, that sounds all right, actually. I remember sharing it with Paul and a few friends and went, look, thinking of using this for this new podcast we're putting together, what, what, what do you guys think? And, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, it's good. And I thought, right. So that was it. That was the, the first thing we came up with. We thought it was okay and went with it. Although... I didn't tell Paul this, that my my older son, Luke, uh, has just bought himself a drum kit for his birthday, which is actually, well, it's it's not very good for a podcast, but I'm showing the guys on video uh, that it's behind me, this this drum kit, up in the attic here, and it's very loud. And Luke um, would very much like to do a live re-recording of the Trimming the Musical Fat podcast theme music, 
with him on drums. Mm-hmm. No, that would be good. Mm. <laughs> be good. Yeah, that would be fun. So that was the yes, that was the music. And in terms of the logo, again, it was very straightforward. I just went on to the the Canva app and looked at their templates. Uh, so I was looking for uh, anything that was music related, where it had records um, in the image, uh, and just used one of theirs, adapted it put her photo in there and boom. So again, that was another one which really didn't take a whole all that long. So in that respect, we were quite lucky. We got our music and our, our logo and art and everything and uh, really at the first time of, of, of trying. So that didn't take a great deal of time, unlike a lot of other stuff. <laughs> what about you? I think, Mark, I think, do you know that? Yeah, sorry, Paul. No, I was going to say, do you know the, the tune at the end, Marv? I'll know the tune at the end, yeah. No, go on. It's uh, the Naked Gun theme. Oh, yes. Oh, the end of the show, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah the end yeah. of the show. That, that is not ours. Because, <laughs> of course, you've got those great clips as well, haven't you, that, that start it, you know, the uh, the gold yeah. member and all these other things, which... Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, and I, again, that was... Um, I suppose something that uh, for me took inspiration from Rebel Force Radio. If they're doing one of the normal shows, they will have uh, certain music that will play and certain clips that will play at the beginning and the end. And if they're doing another type of show that's maybe dedicated to something specific, they will they will change um, perhaps the music and the clips they use. So I wanted us to do something similar. If it's an album show, if it's a, a hidden prime cut show, uh, so yeah, we've got the, the Austin Powers Gold member, uh, mm-hmm. we've got the Austin Powers music, we've got the Austin Powers Gold member clips for the album ones. We've got the Naked Gun two um, yeah. clips and uh, the Naked fear. Gun theme. Yeah, <laughs> the smell of fear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's that smell? Yeah, I've been swimming in raw sewage. I like. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> honestly, the the Zucker brothers, their movies, that yeah, that's that's just brilliant. totally my humor. I love love their movies, mm. Naked Guns, the Airplane movies, uh, Top Secret. And that's just totally totally my thing. Love it. Um, but I was going to ask you, Marv, with your theme music, I think uh, that's you doing the the guitar on on your theme music. Yeah, that's me playing everything. All the instruments are me. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I thought so. Thought so. Yeah. How long did that take you? Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to give something away. I actually already had that for a long time. So when I was putting the show together and coming up with the idea, um, I had a had a lot of like musical bits and pieces that I'd recorded over the yeah. years, and then I sent all these people that I knew. I sort of like sent them a link to basically a playlist of like short. 30 second to one minute long pieces and said, yeah. I've listened to these. What would you pick out as being the right thing? And so the, the, the answer to that is they chose for me really what the opening and the closing Ooh. music were essentially. That was good. You had it in your back pocket to, to pull out. Cause I'd already had relation, had friendships with some podcasters anyway, mainly Beatles podcasters whose shows I've been on. Yeah. So basically, I started a chat group on Facebook with them and said, "What would you, what would you choose as music? Which bits do you like, and what do you, mm. you know?" Yeah. Ideal. So I look forward well, to the, the the remix at some point. The the dance I remix. Do that, I do that at Christmas. <laughs> there's a remix version. There's different versions at Christmas. 
So, uh, so for the Christmas editions that come out, or the ones that come out around that period, I've re-recorded the intro music, the guitar-based one. That is actually re-recorded with glockenspiel, sleigh bells, mm-hmm. and all sorts of Christmassy oh, instruments. Just... Why didn't I notice that? Hmm. I'll need to go back. Yes, like the Christmas films one and the Christmas music ones, they're all they all have that tune. Yeah. And then for the end music, I've added sleigh bells to the end to the end Very of that, good. which is a classic thing to do. Oh yeah, yeah, it's amazing how you can add sleigh bells to anything. Oh, it's Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like East 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 Seventeen song stay. It's a oh. Christmas song because it's got sleigh bells in it, but it's got nothing yeah. at all to do yeah. with. And bells. It's got nothing at all to do with Christmas. No. At all. No. And that, that wonderful video of theirs in the oversized white parkas. Yes. Yes. Ah, uh, it's brutal. It's, it's a classic to Paul, you see. Yeah. Well, I, I, now, do you know, you remember the story with that song with uh, they, they'd done the video and yeah. the, the white parkas and everything, but they, they looked total. Uh, PG thirteen. They look total idiots. Yes, because um, it was in a studio, wasn't it? They were, they, were in, they were in the snow. The effects were bad. Cheap. It was so bad. And then decided to quickly do a uh, just a performance thing when pretending they were recording it in the studio, and that's what we put out. And it was years and years later that um, that what that that original video got picked up again. And I suppose it's more Christmassy than Stay. the one. <laughs> yeah. For those listening, Paul's doing the dance moves. <laughs> yeah, he's 17 with, what was it, uh, Tony Mortimer? So it was like Tony Mortimer. He wrote all the songs. Yeah, didn't and then Brian yeah. Harvey, who ran himself well. over. Uh, Brian Harvey, who ran mm, himself yeah. over, which is, which is brilliant. I yeah. mean, how can you even do that? Can you run yourself over? Mm. And then the other two, who just look like people who worked on a building site that happened to walk by, and ah, you guys will do. Come on, just dance about a bit. Unfortunately, that same thing happened to that person who played Chekhov in the Star Trek film, didn't it? Did it? That's how he died. That he he his oh, car. Yeah, because right. they he got an automatic or oh, yeah, forgot, sorry. He'd forgotten yeah. to put it into park mode on the automatic. Right. It rolled and back. went behind yeah, the car and the car ran over him. That's right. Rolled back on him. Yeah. I was thinking of me in the original check off that sort no. of thing. <laughs> he's still not alive. No, he's still alive. Mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking sort of Walt Koenig, yeah. I, I was thinking <laughs> yeah. when did Chekhov join his seventy? <laughs> 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 yeah. Just walk, oh, yeah, walk, walking by and he joined. Yeah. Stay. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm thinking of a line they could put in there about nuclear vessels. Nuclear vessels. Nuclear vessels. Nuclear nuclear vessels. vessels. Now, apparently You're see, looking for nuclear vessels. Obviously that's Star Trek Four. <laughs> apparently, see the bit where they're asking members of the public. It, it wasn't actors and actresses. Was they yeah, they were yeah. actually just Improv. asking them. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. And the, the lady, they, they did stop. It was like, yeah, it's, it's in the youth leader. And yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> it's better than William Shatner's improv, isn't it? With the double damn, double damn you or double whatever damn, it was. Double, yeah, double, double, oh, double, yeah. double, double damn you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. 
That's almost, that's like almost cringeworthy, isn't it? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. come on, Bill, you can do better than that. Oh. Did you watch, um, talking to Star Trek, did you watch uh, Picard? Oh, so there's been two seasons of that now. Um, and I'm, I'm not playing. interested in the new... I've not seen season two yet. I actually really, really enjoyed um, season two. I thought season one dragged. Yes, so do I. Yep. Uh, there was a lot of filler in there. That that could that could do with a bit of trimming. Oh yeah, big time. <laughs> yeah, big time. Yeah, that, that's I the next one. Trim a television series. Trim, 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 yeah. <laughs> trimming the TV show. Yeah, but no, I, I enjoy season two. A friend of mine who's a big Trekkie, he hated it. Uh, I'm not so precious about it. Um, yes, they go back in time, but I actually just. I really, really enjoyed it. And the reason that sprung to mind is because, you know, the the punk on the bus in Star Trek Four. Yes. Um, he was a direct. He was a producer or something? No. Somebody Thatcher, I forget his name, but he actually appears in this, and it's set in 2023 maybe or something, uh, but he's All on right. the bus there in LA and he's on the bus and he's still got his ghetto blaster playing punk music. <laughs> and again, he's accosted by some more people who've travelled back from the future, uh, which is quite funny. Which is a good callback. I, no, I heard about that. I, yeah, somebody had already spoiled that. Yeah, I thought yeah, that was really I, clever. Yeah. I, I, nobody had spoiled that for me, so that was a genuine surprise. I'm like, oh, it's the boy from Star Trek Four. Brilliant. <laughs> so how do you pick the guest, then, that you have on your show? Would you like to explain the scientific process, Paul? Or do we pick ourselves to go on your show? Well, <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes we have friends who there's certain albums that they think they might be interested in coming on, but there's other ones like, for example, podcasts we've listened to, and we think they might might be good to get them on the show, yeah. and obviously yourself included, and in that. So we would then contact. Uh, the different podcasters because they probably certainly for me anyway inspired me to want to do podcasts and we'd try and get them on the show and we would try and do it relevant to the album that we were going to do that it was an album that they would like to do and yeah that that's about it really I don't know what you got anything to add Stephen? Yeah I, I think they kind of fall into two categories which is friends and other podcasters and maybe you could add a third category uh podcasters who become your friends and and i suppose for me it's it's yeah it's either maybe a lot of the time right guys we're going to be doing uh this album in two months time who wants to come on and fire that into uh, the whatsapp group and see who comes back to you or if you know somebody who is a fan of that band or album, you'll go, uh, case in point, you, you know, uh, Marv, like, you know, a, a fan of McCartney, so doing Red Rose Speedway next year. Marv, do you want to come on? We'll probably go out to Sam from um, yeah. uh, for Sam's podcast as well, Sam Wiles's podcast. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's just it. They kind of naturally pick themselves, really, because we, we know who likes what and uh, and of course yeah we get people coming to us sometimes saying uh, oh you're going to do that album yeah if you do let me know I'll, I'll come on so it's a pretty straightforward process nothing too scientific about it arrange it early enough you could have me and Sam pop over to yours and we could do it in person no wouldn't that be good fun 
Mm. Yeah. You could easily just get a train. Oh, no, you can't. It's a strike. <laughs> yes. There won't <laughs> be a strike next year, hopefully. <laughs> well, there might be a strike <laughs> again next year. You never know. To be fair, that would, that would be that'd be good fun, yeah, wouldn't it? Uh, be able to do mm. one in person. Yeah. yeah. Get a few, yep. a few drinks get, at the same time. Get the whiskey out and see what we're like at yes. the end. Yeah, get the dram beer. <laughs> there we go. Keep that keep that idea uh, in our minds. Um, but, yeah. So that's, that's pretty much it for the guests. Nothing too scientific, but Paul's very good at uh, saying, oh, I listened to this podcast and there's guys on that. They would be good guests. So Paul's very good at that and, and then reaching out to these guys and getting them on the show. Um, so, yeah, that's it. that's his department. You need to then contact um, Mike and Tom from Tabletop Genesis about mm. the land lies down on Broadway then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that would be good. Um, oh, Paul's taking the note. Yeah, that would be good because the, the guys What's don't know their... What's the podcast called? Tabletop Genesis. Tabletop Genesis. Yep, and that's Tom and Mike. They're the ones that are still doing it. They're the main ones. Occasionally they get joined by right. three other people and occasionally it's just those two, but they're the steady two right. throughout the series. I thought you were going to see Tom and Jerry, <laughs> Tom and Mike. Tom and Mike. <laughs> that would be good because that's right. an album that I've never listened to all the way through. Paul, I think you're maybe in the same boat. Or, oh, no, I you were saying you were listening to Genesis yeah. just now, weren't you? Yeah, you were going through the show. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, it'd yeah. Be, they guys would be good from the yeah. historical aspect of it and fill in all the gaps that we do <laughs> we can't dance would be a good one to do as well because that's an example a typical example of the early 90s definitely want to do uh, that we one. can't dance yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Another good bit, yeah another good bit with that one is we can't dance is to then question what wasn't on the album as well because mm-hmm. that's another yeah. case in point where they had a hell of a lot of material that didn't make the album Mm, didn't Some know that. good songs like "Feed the Fire." That's a that's a cracking song that didn't make the I, album. Is there a deluxe version of that album? Um, no, 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 not, no. not. Okay, no. so is this a no. a YouTube thing <laughs> where you can track? They're the... all B sides. The, 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 oh, most B-side, mostly right. became B sides. You know, okay. like back in the day when when we used to have singles. Oh, I mean to check mm. them out, but yeah, we'll, we'll definitely do. We can't dance because I remember. I mean, well, it was the first album I ever bought was, um, if my own money was Genesis's Invisible Touch. And it is still one of my favourite albums. Yeah, I love that album. Eight songs. Um, and that's it. Mm. Over now. But, uh, but I remember when We Can't Dance came out and being disappointed. Because uh, I don't think it's as good as, I, I thought it was over long. There was great stuff on it, but stuff that I, c- I could have done without. But I've not listened to it since... 1993 or something so I, I'm very very keen to revisit that and because your your taste change and I might think it's a, an absolute masterpiece now but yeah bearing that in mind I'll check out the the b-sides as well um because we'll definitely do that episode yeah. probably next year now yeah you fancy coming on for that one Marv? oh yeah I'll definitely come on for that yeah, for, for that for we can't dance definitely up for yeah. that I will get you on for that. And calling all sta- calling all stations as well, yeah. <laughs> be up for that, Marv. <laughs> calling all station. Do you know, I'll come on for that one, but I need to listen to it again. But I do think there's a pro- lot of problems yeah. with that album. A lot of problems mm. with that album. Well, the main one, Phil mm. Collins isn't on it. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> 
because I was about to say, I think Driving the Last Spike is some of the best lyric writing that Phil Collins has ever done. Yeah, on Weekend Dance. Yeah. Yeah, long, mm-hmm. long song, that one, if I remember correctly. Yep. Nine Very minutes, is yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, there are, t- there are two songs on there that are particularly long, aren't they? Long, there are epic songs. Epic. That yeah. one and... Yeah. Is the other one What's fading? Other one? Is, it, is it fading? No. Fading Lights. Is it Fading Lights no. or is it Dreaming While You Sleep that's the long one? Ooh. I um, think it's Fading Lights. I'm going to look at that right now. See, we can't dance. Hell of a good opening song on that album, though. No son of mine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. single as well. Yeah. yeah. I remember them doing that yeah, on the, top t- of the, the TikTok. Yes. <laughs> yep. Basically, repeating mm. the trick that they did with Mama on the Genesis album by starting right. a song that has mm. that drum drum machine in opening, coming into the yeah. you know the classic Phil Collins real. Physical drums. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, well, on Weekend Dance, there's there's actually these are both right. There's three long songs, which is <clears throat> Driving the Last Spike, uh, Fading Lights, and Dreaming While You Sleep. Oh, you sleep, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, three long long ones on there. Yep. Um, I think yes. I might have replaced Old on Old on My Heart. Old on My Heart. See, I, again, I remember Genesis doing that on Top of the Pops back in the day. It's, it's, it's funny what you remember. Genesis on Top of the Pops. Yeah, I remember they came on, and I know they did No Son of Mine when that was coming out, and I know that they came back on and didn't hold on my heart, yeah. Which was unusual, because obviously, I think at a certain point, bands started, if, if you were a big, big, big band, you tended not to go on Top of the Pops anymore. Yeah. So you would never see the likes of Queen... Um, or when we talked about Duran Duran already, they get to a certain point, they're, they're too busy. They're, they're not around to, to go on top of the pops. So remember, it was a big deal when Genesis came back on to do um, No Son of Mine. Yep. We're going on so many tangents today. We so- are. No shocks, no shocks. Nope. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Ryan. This is Avery. And we are from the Frame by Frame King Crimson podcast, and you are listening to Pods Like Us. What shows stand out to you that you've released so far? I'll let you go first there, Paul. Probably the first one, because it's your first one. Yeah. You always remember your first time. Doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? That was a pop song, <laughs> yeah. Uh, probably... Yeah, just because, of course, at that point, March last year, we were very much in lockdown. So it was, I think it was good connect. It was almost like a good way to connect with people as well, because you you hadn't really seen people for such a long time or been in contact. And even that, doing that, the first show was like, you know, the first time you've maybe been in contact with a lot of people since maybe the previous summer or something. So, but the standout shows probably the other Queen Lap of the Pods, guys because i just think they're so funny they don't even realize that they're like they know their stuff they totally know their stuff but they're just really funny without realizing it just so i always like when they come on the show and the standout bits are probably the funny bits as well the the bits where you don't realize you've made a mistake (laughs) and you say the wrong thing and it's not stuff that you can plan as well. It's just that's what makes it so funny because it's just like 
one of the, the the funniest ones was one of the guests got Brian Wilson mixed up with the Bee Gees. So we're talking about at, at my most beautiful REM, and obviously that was like a REM. So that is, I suppose, a bit like a tribute to Brian Wilson. And of course, Davy, who was doing the podcast, said, "Oh, that's a tribute to the Bee Gees." <laughs> Instead of the Beach Boys, so of course things like that, you just yeah, they're just hilarious. Or you had to be there, <laughs> uh, and obviously you being on the podcast was a highlight as well, Mark. Oh shucks! Oh yes, this, this, <laughs> this is all our, our this is of course all our, our non Marv standout moments uh, here. Uh, yeah, for 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 yeah. me, I think too that that jump out are the Bruce Springsteen one we did for the river. Um, and the Pink Floyd one for the wall. Uh, I'd never listened to the wall in my life, so it was just great to finally sit down and and listen to that and really enjoy it. And the Bruce Springsteen, the River one, um, the only Bruce Springsteen album I owned prior to that was The Greatest Hits. And I don't know, I, I, I thought it was one of his albums where it was a kind of downbeat acoustic one before I put it on. And I remember putting it on going, whoa! And it's just this really upbeat rock and roll album, uh, and I was honestly I was just blown away by its energy, um, its optimism, uh, and I I just couldn't believe it. And, and, and now I mean it's a double album. It's actually I would I'd say it's one of my top twenty favorite albums of all time. I love that album. Uh, so yeah, if the podcast is good for at least one thing, it's given given me a love for that album. Um, a couple others that I really enjoyed, uh, the Radiohead one we did, which was covering their Kitty and Amnesiac albums. Now, Radiohead's music, by and large, is, is quite bleak, but we never laughed as much. I think it was, who did we have on? Ross Braidwood and Davy Mellon? We laughed. Yeah. We la- the more kind of depressing the song sounded, and we played a clip of it, it just got funnier and funnier. So that that was just for just for pure entertainment. That and I think um, one of the ones that I'm really proud of was we did one uh, for Paul McCartney, 1981 to 1984, and that was just great fun to to record. And it was the first time we'd incorporated more of a of a story feel into that. You know, more a timeline type show uh, with our archive clips. It was timelined order. And yes, yeah, so that was the first time I'd really done that. So that, that, that came out really well, uh, I thought, and it was it was a popular episode too. Uh, so I just felt that was a big achievement for us. So I have uh, very fond memories of that one. Well, as we know, anything to do with the Beatles together or solo is <laughs> a big thing on the internet. There are lots of podcasts that are popular about that. Oh, yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's interesting because we, we, we kind of have, you know, by and large, try and put out a show a week. And it's interesting. Obviously, you'll come back to certain artists more than once, and it's it's amazing to see your listening figures dependent on the artist. So if you were purely playing a numbers game, you know which artists you would cover. Uh, yeah, and the Beatles would certainly... Uh, the two, I would say, you'd want to focus on Queen and Beatles yep. plus Beatles solo. Yep. Not East 17. No. no. That's more niche. <laughs> Very niche. Look, probably, look. Good for, probably good for a niche podcast if anybody out there is interested. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's not, that's not me. Yeah. Um, 
We'll, we'll leave my earlier suggestion of the, the Queen compilation. I thought you might enjoy doing that, actually, for yourselves as your own podcast and possibly get the In the Lap of the Pods guys involved and give me a shout and I'll see if I can be involved as well. Well, I, I yeah, that'd be a great. great idea. I think that could be a nice wee mini series. One, I have to say, we could make that into mini episodes where we could actually cover. Oh God, that would take. Yes, that is a good idea, and we will take that forward in some shape, way, or mm-hmm. form. Yeah, <laughs> that's a tough I'm one, gonna, though. Yeah. that's tough. Yeah, I'm good. And so, good to- yeah. the the Bruce Springsteen. You were you were mixing up the Bruce Springsteen then when you went to uh, the river and thought that that was an acoustic album, that would yeah. have been his album, Nebraska. Yes. Which was his made-up yeah, of was, demos. Yes, that was the following one, wasn't it? That was 82, yeah. 82. So I was expecting Nebraska, and I got the river, um, which actually worked out to my benefit because it was just kind of life-affirming music. It was great. So... Fabulous. So if no, if you've never heard the River People, listen to it. I thought it was, and and do think it's fantastic. It's a better album than Born in the USA, by the way. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. It is. Yeah. But um, so another another thing there, keeping in with the Bruce Springsteen. You know, I'm going to just keep pushing out ideas here, and you'll be going, yeah, I'll write that one down. He's, he's going to get his book out now, Paul. <laughs> so Bruce Springsteen, he released two albums at the same time, like we said, which right. were. Lucky Town and Human Touch. So an interesting one there would be, could you make a better album from the better material of the two albums? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's interesting because I think we'd done The River and uh, one of our, our friends, podcast regular podcast guest, Davey Mellon, he's a huge Bruce Springsteen fan, and he um, he had mentioned that to me, that we should we should do that at some point. Although I never added it to the list, Paul. So I, w- I would be keen to do that because I've never listened to either of those two albums. I know from yeah, fans they are just a single. Um, yeah, uh, p- patchy and that there's too much material. And there's probably one great album in there from the material. Probably. So we will take that uh, and add it to our list, Marv. Are you looking for percentage points here? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I keep giving these ideas out and I yeah. don't get anything back for them and people yeah, use okay. them. Well, well, it's fine. We can give you nothing of nothing. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I'm, I, I like my 0%. I'm fine. It's all for the love, man. What was it that Randy Newman says? Nothing from nothing makes nothing or something? Nothing, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> and that's, that's sure, sure, sure it is for most podcasters. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of which, what advice would you give to podcasters who want to start for the first time? Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, we don't want the competition. Yeah, no. Leave us alone. No, no, <laughs> Nothing to see here. Move on. What would you say, it's Paul? It's too difficult. It's too difficult, yeah. You, you, it's just complicated. Yeah. Time can... I would, I would probably say reach out to other people in the podcast community as well because what's really good you make jokes and competition and stuff but actually certainly in my, in our experience people have been really supportive yeah and helping each other out and so if people are interested it's like maybe get in touch with 
other podcasters as well and getting some ideas and also to persevere as well because you're always learning so like the sound quality on our early ones was terrible but it's only through doing these things that you learn and to persevere with it and give it your own kind of touch as well your own style and yeah and what other advice would I give probably as well set good boundaries because obviously it's you're doing it in your spare time so to make sure that you've got boundaries for your life as well and that that's really important that you don't let it take over your life as well and that you have to find that balance and then you find you'll probably enjoy doing it more as well if you have that balance so you don't do too much that it sickens you or burns you out yeah so yeah that's what a philosophical ending there <laughs> yeah now well I, I i think five things um there i think one is uh, an idea try and come up with uh, an original idea for your show so what's going to make you stand out what is no one else doing um what's going to get you excited about doing it because podcasting is a very or can be a very very time-consuming hobby so you want to to do something that you're really motivated and excited to do um structure is important so yeah write down what you want to achieve with each episode what do you want to say what do you want to discuss uh what do you want to play um how long do you want the episode to be uh, and so on and and then i think yeah break it down into manageable chunks and, and places in a common sense order and i think that will keep you right and sure your 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 show has a natural uh, flow uh, to it um i think paul mentioned this already but yeah experiment there's a lot of technology out there to record your show and edit try different things see what works for you um you you probably will not get things right first so just keep trying until you get uh, what works for you uh, you know whether it's microphones video cameras computers uh, editing tools, whatever it might be. Um, be patient. I think that's a biggie. Rome wasn't built in a day, and if you're putting out your podcast and you're not getting 8 million listeners immediately, well, you shouldn't expect to get 8 million listeners immediately unless you're a megastar. So it does take time, and I think just be mindful. The more episodes that you put out there, the more chance people are going to find your podcast. And when they do find your podcast and they like it, they'll then probably want to go back and listen to other episodes. So you, you naturally build your audience through that. And the final one would be, I think, just have you have to have a can-do attitude. Just do it. You've got to go there and just give it a go, right? What is there to lose? If you're going to do it on something you're passionate about, great, do it. Just, you know, all you need is your phone in this day and age. Yep. So, yeah, that's it. You just need your phone. So you just get, get linked to a podcast provider, start recording, and off you go. Yeah, and to pick up from what you just said, you know, the uh, the thing of if it's something that interests you, then there will be other people out there that will also be interested in it, even if you think that it's just mm-hmm. you that's interested in it. So there will be an audience, yeah. but it will take time for that audience to notice you and for you to actually build up that that following absolutely and I, I can't remember if it was on one of your shows or not marv um i might be making this up i don't know if it was one of uh, one of the guys you interviewed but they were talking about the numbers for a podcast that was linked to 
Is it females that drink beer? And yes. Yep. Yeah, was it your show? Yeah, and the numbers for that were yeah. crazy. And you just wouldn't yeah. think it, would you? <laughs> you should have seen my face when they said that. I was, wow. Yeah, no. So you just never know. I mean, we're, we're kind of thinking, no, surely not. But then, no, hugely successful podcast because it's playing to an audience, an original idea that's playing to an, an untapped audience who are wanting to listen to something like that. So, yep. yeah, I, I just always think that whatever the idea is, yeah, as you say, if you think it's a good idea and you want to do it, somebody else will want to listen to it. Yeah. It's like Eric Paul Johnson was shocked at how many how, how many numbers they get for theirs. But then again, why would you be shocked when you're the only podcast that talks about the yeah. incredible band that is ELO, yeah. Electric Light Orchestra? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that is an audience that for years has, has kind of, I feel like, because ELO for a long time were, were much maligned. And yeah. I think um, it was almost... You were kind of embarrassed to say, oh, you know, I... Uh, never seen as a guilty pleasure. I like yeah. you alone. Oh. <laughs> you, you had a secret knock that you had to use at the door. Yeah, no, it's like, yeah. oh, yellow fan, let him in. Secret message. So, yes. Secret message. <laughs> secret message. <laughs> but, yeah, call us on your telephone line. But, um, but there was a, obviously a huge audience out there who weren't being catered for. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and they, they, those guys do a great show. Mm-hmm. They do. I was trying to work in a, in a diary of Horace Wimp link yes. there, but I couldn't, I couldn't get one in. Yeah, no, no. yeah. Great but job. I don't want to bring myself down. <laughs> so, don't bring you down. No. That would be some discovery. Oh, you beat me to it. Yeah. <laughs> There'll be no last train to London tonight anyway with the strike over. Just remember you see, what... <laughs> you missed all these for the jokes at the end of that episode. <laughs> you, you, just remember, guys, what you're saying here is getting beamed out all over... All around the world. All, over the, all, yeah, all around the world. Yeah, I see. <laughs> oh, Mama Bell. Try and fit Xanadu in there somewhere. Oh. Oh, yeah. We haven't got the time for that. No, we don't. No, no. There's got to be some balance of power. <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> That's right. yeah. Very good. That's good. So what that podcast came, do you listen to? Blue. <laughs> <laughs> this is when we all corpse into laughter. <laughs> Yeah. So what podcast do you listen to yourselves? So I listen to football, a lot of football ones, and football and music and movies. Uh, I like all the Beatles-related podcasts. There is so many now, though, that at first it was like, oh, it's great, every single one, I'm going to follow every single one. But after a while, you're kind of like, oh, that's enough. And... Uh, yeah, and I, I remember when I first got into podcasts, it was probably like 2007, 2008. Yeah. And the very one of the first ones was uh, a James Bond podcast. I remember telling Stephen, and these guys were really funny. They just went through every film, but they sort of had a funny take on it. And what was it called? Uh, for for your ears only. Years only, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Adam Fish, they were just really funny, these guys. Um, that was probably the first podcast. But they, they, they were great because... And they didn't take themselves. No, didn't it? And they had a real DIY aesthetic to their show. I mean, I know they were a bit of an inspiration mm. for us because we just thought these are just two guys who were students, weren't they? Who had just got yeah, their yeah. laptop... Yeah, just got their laptop set mm. up, 
wanted to talk about each James Bond movie and off, off, oh, hello, and off they went and did it. So, yes, they were good, good fun. <laughs> um, any others, Paul? Probably football, uh, football ones, but but by and large, I tend to stay with the same. Obviously, Queen and Beatles ones, I always listen to them, and yeah. What about you, Stephen? Uh, Other than the excellent uh, pods like us. Never um, heard of him. No, no, I've I've heard the host is quite quite dodgy. I don't know who he is. Um, But yeah, no, I've mentioned them already, but Rebel Rebel Force Radio is great. Star Wars podcast, very professional. Uh, Another good one I like to listen to, which is movie related, is Batman on film. Uh, which is good. Uh, we're back to James Bond again, but there's a good one, James Bond and Friends. They, those guys are great. We've mentioned them already. Face the Music, Neolo Podcast. Uh, we've, we've mentioned them already in the lap of the pods. Uh, the Queen Podcast, those guys are good fun. Uh, Sam Wells is Paul or Nothing, obviously the Paul McCartney uh, podcast. And uh, Soundtrack Show is really good. Uh, oh, God, what's his name? Is it Laird? I forget this, the guy's surname, but he actually works in the entertainment industry in soundtracks, uh, so he really knows his stuff and talks about different uh, movies and their soundtracks, and, and which is a great listen, although he's not done something in quite a while. Um, and I think the, the, the last one that springs to mind is I'm a big Man United fan, so I listen to one called The United Hour, which has uh, not been the most... Uh, well, it's been a bit of a depressing listen this last season, to be fair. Because, <laughs> man, you have been rubbish this season. I'm hoping for better things to come. But, yeah, that, that's, I think when, um, yeah, they the, the do have a bad result the weekend, it's always quite good to, to listen to other supporters talk, talk about it. Uh, you, you feel like your pain is being shared. So, yeah, they're yes. good. Yeah. <laughs> You might like a podcast called Team Deakins, which is uh, the cinematographer or great cinematographer, Richard Deakins mm-hmm. and his son. And they discuss, it's it's a multi-thing. So he, dis- he discusses anecdotes from his own career, his extensive career in the past, being a sigma- cinematographer. But he also looks at other films and with his son and he... He basically gives an gives an opinion of how he thinks those shots were, re, were 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 done because of him being as good as he is. He will tell his son, "This is how I think that they got that shot. This is the equipment that they might have used and the lenses that they might have used." And it's sort of an interesting niche subject to go into to look at that side of the film industry and realize how how much of a job that is to get that sort of, to do that work. That's That that, that actually sounds right up my street because uh, he is one of the greatest cinematographers of of all time. Uh, I mean, yeah. some of the stuff that man has, has shot, well, um, uh, Skyfall for one. Um, yeah. some, some of the stuff he's, uh, Road to Perdition. Yes. Uh, another Sam yeah. Mendes one, oh, that's a great film. So yeah, he's done some amazing stuff. I'll, I'll check that out. That would be good. That would be right up my street. There you go. I found something else to take all your time up. You have. Uh, so you can interview me again. I can add that to my list of podcasts I like. <laughs> yep. When we do trimming the movie fat, we'll we'll go into that. Yes, there we are. I'll be on the list. <laughs> <laughs> 
and then you can start your trimming the television fat after that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. A, what, what a domination awaits. Yes. Trimming the football <laughs> match. I think at the moment I should be trim, yeah. trimming the Man United squad. <laughs> Get some new players. I think that's what they're trying to do, yeah. <laughs> if they need any help, yeah. So where can people find the show and get hold of you? Let me do this, Paul. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so you can listen to the show on all major podcast providers. You can go to our website, which is www.trimmingmusicalfat.com. Uh, we are on Facebook, so you can join our group there. Um, we're also on Twitter, which is at Musical Trimming. Uh, you can email us at trimthemusicalfat at gmail.com. And you can leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm forward slash TTMF forward slash message. He's a professional, Paul. Yes, I, know, I, constant I, I thought I better write them down. <laughs> Otherwise, there was no chance I was going <laughs> to remember all of them. Don't give away the magic. Oh, no. In fact, I'm telling lies. <laughs> I just read that all. Uh, sorry. I just got that all from memory. Absolutely. <laughs> Which is exactly what I'm going to do now when I say thank you very much for speaking with me today, guys. At last, we've had this fun time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Thanks for having us absolutely. on. Thank you. Thoroughly enjoyed it, Marv. Me Love too. It. Yeah, thank Take you care. so much. Thanks very much. And thank you, everyone, for listening. You can get in touch with me through Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and TikTok just by looking Pods Like Us, and you'll find it there. It's the same on all those. It's just that address, then Pods Like Us. And you can contact me through podslikeus at gmail.com. Anyway, thank you, everyone, for listening, and hope you're listening again to another episode of Pods Like Us.